the title of today's sermon is Unjust, Unfair, and Undeserved Suffering. There are things that people are going through, bad things today, that could only be described as unjust and unfair and undeserved. Things that they're facing, bad things in their life that they do not deserve. And in the New Testament scriptures, the Apostle Peter expresses this unjust suffering so well in 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 17 and 18, he outlines not only the unjust suffering of the people in 1 Peter, but the unjust suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read to you here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The word of the Lord says, It's better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. This sermon will have two parts. The first is we'll talk somewhat about suffering, and we'll end by talking about how oftentimes suffering is unjust, unfair, and undeserved. Let's start with a simple definition of suffering. It simply means to experience pain. And there's a man back in the Old Testament scriptures who experienced a tremendous amount of pain. In a single day, he lost nearly everything in his life. His name was Job, and Job was a poet. And he expresses in the book of Job just a little bit of the pain and suffering that he went through. And I think you might be be able to identify with some of Job chapter 6, where Job says to his three friends who had come to visit and comfort him, he's almost apologizing to them because he says to them in Job chapter 6, say verse number 2, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales, for then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore, my words have been rash. He's asking us to picture those old-fashioned scales with one large plate on this side and another large plate on that side. And Job says, load up all that I'm going through right now. Pour my suffering on this plate and then place on the other plate the words that I'm trying to use to express to you how awful I feel. All the complaints that I'm offering, load them up on the other side and it will never balance. In fact, he says you could pour the sand of the sea on the other side and it will never balance. Because to put it another way, what Job is saying is what I'm going through, the pain in my heart right now is bigger than I can say. It's, it's bigger than I could express. In fact, he apologizes saying my, my words are so rash and that has the idea of being wild. We could imagine Job saying to his friends, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, boys, that you've come and expected me and my pain to be sensible and reasonable or calm, or we might add the word Christian. He says, but I just watched my seven sons and three daughters die and my house flattened by a windstorm. So forgive me if what I'm saying is not very reasonable or even right. And Job is expressing to us that sometimes pain is so big that you you can't even say what it's like to be in the position 
that you're in right now. He goes on in Job chapter 6, and he continues to talk to his three friends who had come to give him help and comfort. And we're, we're so grateful when people rush to our side in our difficulties. And they try so hard to be there for us and to offer something to us. And what can I do? Do you need anything? Can I help you some way? And it's so gracious of people to want to help. But listen as Job chapter 6 unfolds and and Job starts to use the language of a meal. And he he talks here, for example, about the white of an egg that's tasteless. And he talks about his his food having having no taste to it and, and even being loathsome food to him. And he could certainly be talking about physical food because sometimes... When you go through things that are so tough, you lose your appetite and you don't even feel like eating and whatever somebody would bring to you, even if it's something that you like, it, it doesn't interest you at all and in fact may, may turn your stomach and, and make you physically ill. You, you just can't think about food or have no desire for it. But I think Job is on a much deeper level here and he's talking about the things, the, the help that his friends are trying to offer to him. And, and in their case, the help that they were offering, if you know the book of Job, is, is all kinds of advice and, and guidance and, and speeches and, and words. And Job says, listen, boys, I, I, I just can't hear any of this right now. I, I can't take it in. I'm, I'm sorry, but my problems are are beyond the help that you're offering. You know, that often is the case. When we're going through something that is bigger than we can say, it's also beyond the help that our friends can offer to us. And as I go through the book of Job, I find that in the early chapters, say, for example, chapter number 2, down about verse number 13, 14, and 15, when Job's friends initially came to him, it says this in Job chapter 2 and verse number 13. They sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. That's Job chapter 2 verse 13. I guess it doesn't go on to, to any more verses than that, but earlier it says that they saw him from afar and they lifted up their voices and they wept. And to me, this is the greatest thing that these boys did when they came to see Job. I mean, after that, they talked for 40 chapters and that's when they seemed to have gotten into all of their problems and difficulties and trouble. But initially, they just sat with him and they cried and they didn't say a thing. I don't know if when you were a child and you hurt yourself, if your mother ever just held you and rocked you and let you cry. But Job is expressing to us, I believe, that sometimes what we're going through and the pain that we have in our heart is beyond the help that our friends can offer. 
Now notice I didn't say it's beyond all help. And we'll get to that in a moment because there is someone to whom we should point people who can really help them, but we'll get to that in a moment. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and think just briefly about how sometimes suffering is unfair, unjust, and undeserved. Listen to how Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. I read it there a moment ago. He says this. You can suffer doing for doing good, or you can suffer for doing evil. So you can suffer, and you've done something to deserve that suffering. Or you can suffer, and you've done nothing to deserve that suffering one is called fair just and deserved suffering and the other is called unfair unjust and undeserved suffering and as an example of unjust suffering job turns to the person who experienced the deepest forms of unjust, unfair, undeserved sufferings, our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to how he says in verse number 18, Christ also suffered the just for the unjust. And he makes it so clear that our Lord Jesus Christ never did anything wrong. He he never deserved any form of punishment or suffering. He is holy perfect, righteous, and Job uses, or, or Peter rather, uses the word just. And the word just is not only the word righteous, it has the idea of, of aligning to the standard. You know, God writes the standard, and Jesus Christ is, is right there with it. He's right alongside and parallel with exactly what God has prescribed, as opposed to the rest of us who wander all around the laws of God. God says you shouldn't. In fact, you must not covet or steal or lie or hate. And we say, oh, well, it's just one time, just a little bit. What does it matter? Not Christ. Christ aligned himself perfectly with the law of God and is holy and righteous altogether. And yet, He suffered. Peter talks about his suffering here, and we can go to lots of places in the scripture where it outlines the sufferings of Christ. Isaiah 52, verse 14 says that he was marred more than any man. And back in Isaiah 53, I'm sure you're familiar with it, such powerful verses. Isaiah chapter 53, listen to what it says as an example in verses 3 and 5. Isaiah 53 And verse number three, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ 
are beyond what we could say. They took his hands and his feet. They nailed him to the cross and suspended him between heaven and earth to die for our sins. He suffered, though just. He suffered, Peter says, though he was doing good. And what do you call it when you do good and you suffer? That's called unjust suffering. Unfair, undeserved suffering. And yet, Peter not only tells us that there is unjust suffering in the world, and we know that there is, and he gives us the example of the Lord Jesus Christ going through unjust suffering. But more than this, Peter shows us that God, after the unjust suffering, even somehow through what is so undeserved, can do something special, something good, and even something beautiful. And Peter says it so eloquently in 1 Peter 3.18, where he says that Christ suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And through the sufferings of Christ came the greatest of all things, our salvation, a way for us to come to God and be his children forever. And this is where faith comes in. This is where trust arises. We know that there's unjust sufferings in the world. We know that people go through things they don't deserve. We know Christ went through that. But can you believe that God has the ability after your suffering, even through your difficulties, to bring about something good and right and proper or even beautiful. Let us pray that all of the horrible things that people in this province and elsewhere are experiencing today will somehow be turned around and some good will come out of it. Now, I'd like to end this sermon by just speaking briefly about the other form of suffering. Because not all suffering is unjust and unfair. There is suffering that is deserved. And God gets blamed for a lot of things in this world. But we must remember that in the early pages of the scripture, in the days of creation... God created an angel who was powerful and beautiful named Lucifer. In fact, the scripture describes Lucifer uh, in Ezekiel chapter 28. It says that he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. It it talks of all of these beautiful um, minerals and, and diamonds and sapphires and emeralds and gold and it compares Lucifer to all of these beautiful things. He was the anointed cherub it says. He was in the mountain of God and he was perfect in all of his ways from the day that he was created. That's Ezekiel chapter 28. 
But then, if you know the scriptures, you know that this angel fell. Lucifer, it says in Isaiah chapter number 14, verses 13 and 14, he was, he was so full of himself. He was, Ezekiel says it this way, he was lifted up because of his beauty or his heart was filled with pride. And Isaiah 14 says that he made these five famous, proud, I will statements. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high God. And God essentially said, no, you won't. And he cast him down out of heaven. And the Bible says that he came down and violence filled his heart. And we get a glimpse in the New Testament as an example in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In the devil's star pupil, the Antichrist, we gain a glimpse of some of the hatred that is within the devil's or Lucifer's or Satan's. We call them all by these names. Inside of him, it says about the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. The devil's against everything that God loves. And we know some of who God loves. He loves his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he loves you. God loves you and so the devil hates you. And he has been against you, the devil has, since the day you were born. And he has caused so much upset in this world and so much pain and caused so many people to suffer. But the devil is going to get what's coming to him. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 20, right at the end of the scriptures. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. I saw an angel, John says, coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. And then later, it says, that he was cast into the lake of fire, where he would be tormented forever. That is called suffering and just suffering. Deserved, fair, just suffering. And if I could be so foolish just for, to imagine for a few moments in the future, if I could see the devil in that lake of fire and he wouldn't be having a party, he'll be crying and, and crying out, the worst of any of them for all that he's done. And if I could be so foolish and imagine him down there in that lake of fire saying, what did I ever do to deserve this? Why am I in all of this torment? Well, if I had the opportunity, I won't, but if I had the opportunity to say, listen here now, devil, you just think about all the times that you promised me and promised everybody that if we would fall down and worship you, you'd give us this, that, and everything, and all we got was pain and misery and guilt and horror. And, and think about all the times, devil, that, that you promised us that we didn't need God in our lives. 
and we could get along fine without the Bible and the church. And we went your way for a while, and we missed out on so many wonderful blessings. And just think, devil, about all the wars and crimes and domestic violence, diseases and murder that you've spread over the world. And think about all the children and seniors that you've hurt. Oh, yes, devil. You deserve everything the Lord can throw at you. Just suffering. As I think about the horrible things that people in this province are going through today, there are no human words that I could offer to alleviate the sufferings of anybody. I say with Job that they're bigger than we could say. And they're beyond any help that I can offer. But that doesn't mean they're beyond all help. As a pastor, my sole role is to act as an insignificant signpost on the highway that points people someplace else. And the place where we have always pointed people is to Jesus. And I have a very simple two-part invitation for you today if you're suffering. If you're going through things that are beyond what you could say and beyond what any help your friends could give, let me point you to the one who understands, who's gone through all the unjust and unfair and undeserved things that you can imagine. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you just in two quick parts this basic invitation. The things that you're going through and the hurts in your life, can you think of anything that you have done in your life that would cause you to deserve those hardships? If you can, then you're going through something which is called just, fair, and deserved suffering. And you should repent of whatever it is that you have done And God will forgive you, and he may even end your suffering. I don't know. But here's the second part of the invitation. If you can't think of anything that you have done, or that your family has done, to deserve the things that you're going through right now, then you're going through something called unfair unjust and undeserved suffering and I invite you today to simply crawl up onto the lap of your heavenly father and allow him to hold you and to let you cry and to give you peace and you say well how do I do that Well, God comes to us in the person of Christ and the Holy Spirit and his written word. We go to him in prayer and by faith. So maybe you could just pray to God right now and pray as often as you need to. And maybe you could say something like this. Now, if you don't have a relationship with God, 
you need to trust the gospel first. And so maybe start your prayer saying, Dear God, I believe the gospel. I believe Jesus is the one who you sent to be my savior. And I believe he saved me by dying on the cross, being buried and rising again the third day. You know, that's how we start a relationship with God. But if you already have a relationship with God, then maybe you could pray and and say, Lord, I'm hurting so much right now. I can't even say how bad I hurt. So, Lord, would you hold me right now and put peace in my heart and help me to believe, Lord, that somehow you can either after this is all over or even through these horrible times bring about something special and good. For I have heard, Lord, that you can cause all things to work together for good. I believe it. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to please bring to an end all the unjust, unfair, and undeserved suffering in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.